It's me, Dr. Z with JB. Today, John and I talk about the various manipulation tactics and strategies narcissists frequently use in relationships. Terms like love bombing, supply, hoovering, and going no contact are explained. We also learn of John's surprising dislike for Target. Everybody, welcome to a session at number. Oh, is this a fifteen now or a fourteen? Am I jumping ahead? Fifteen. One five. How about that? Yes. Good evening. Good evening. Good morning. And good afternoon. If you are listening on the replay and on the podcast, we thank you for joining us as uh, you do every Sunday here on uh, Instagram Live at uh, Doctor Z underscore Psychologist. I am, of course, the JB to uh, Doctor Z's. Well, Doctor Z. Uh, I'm, I'm John Barchard, <laughs> and uh, you can always. Did it, uh, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. <laughs> It didn't work. We threw, you know, just got to throw some things out there. Sometimes they don't land. Uh, and uh, uh, tonight uh, we are going to need uh, all of the explanations in the world because this is, I mean, you think uh, a lot of the stuff that we uh, we go through on Sunday nights is very, uh, what would we say, uh, acute, right? There's a lot of acute definitions for um, a, a lot of things in our in our mental health and the narcissist tactics are certainly uh, on everyone's mind uh, for the last couple of weeks since we've been getting to a lot of these discussions. So I uh, appreciate all your questions, too. Um, I know Dr. Z kind of leaves that open, and you, uh, my DMs are always open for questions as well, but uh, we'll get into some of those tonight. Plus, we will learn a few things about Dr. Z, and uh, I'm excited to find out what her favorite song is because that is one of the questions on my list uh, along with uh, everything else tonight. So, Dr. Z, first and foremost, how was your week? How was your weekend? Everything good? Um, yeah, I, my air conditioning broke, still broken. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know if my best friend is on here, but she will laugh at this. So I did my nails, Uh but in true Dr. Z fashion, forgot to do my thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how my day is going. Do the other eight fingers look really nice? Yeah, they do. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, yeah. We can, uh, yeah, and and if you're listening to this, they look wonderful. So here Thank you go. <laughs> uh, so with narcissist tactics, I mean, there seems to be a lot. And once again, you always preface this, so I'm going to say it out loud. All of these, all of these things that we are going to go through means you're a narcissist. Doesn't mean that one of these traits or someone you're having a relationship with, it doesn't mean... That that person is automatically a narcissist if you hear one of these things going on. So yes. uh, I wanted to start there. And that is from Dr. Z's noggin because we all are learning things every single week. But what is the number one narcissist tactic that people use against, you know, us non-narcissists? <laughs> <laughs> huh. Um. I would have to probably say the, the questions that I got the most of were, um, you know, like if they're an asshole or if they're emotionally abusive. Um, are most check, check, nar- by the way. yeah, right. Are most <laughs> narcissists emotionally abusive? Yes, they are. Are they verbally abusive? Most of the time, they don't need to be. But the, but the point is, is that. Just because somebody is emotionally or verbally abusive does not make them a narcissist. I think that's the biggest thing that I see. Um, and just because somebody is an asshole does not mean they're a narcissist. And the 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 key difference is it, there's a couple things. One 
is an asshole can be an asshole some of the time. Yes. They can just be an asshole to you. They can just be an asshole at work. A narcissist is a narcissist all the time, even if they appear to be extremely nice and sweet. It's not real. So, or it's for a purpose. So that's a number one difference. The other one is um, accountability. An asshole can easily say, yeah, you know what? I'm an asshole. I take full responsibility for that. I know what I did was wrong. A narcissist doesn't take accountability. And if they know they're being an ass, they don't care if they're hurting you. An asshole can still have remorse. They can still feel bad after the fact. They can still come to their senses and apologize. Um, a narcissist, you don't get that. So I think what I, I, what I, what I get in the sense that I get from people is people are trying to kind of label why their ex or why their current relationship or whoever they're with, guy or girl, um, is being an asshole or it broke up with them. And sometimes relationships just don't work. And sometimes the person who was an asshole to you won't be an asshole in the next relationship for numerous reasons. One, because their stuff matches better with the other person's stuff. And we've talked about this a lot, that you could be with someone who is not nice to you, not good for you. Then they're with somebody else and all of a sudden their relationship's great. But it could be that you were like very affectionate and the person they're with now is not affectionate. And so they don't fight about that kind of stuff. So, you know, they fight about other things, but it works better. So I think a lot of times people are looking for a label to slap on why their relationship didn't work and breakups hurt that, you know, we've all been there. They, they hurt badly. And so I think that slapping a label on it makes it a little bit easier, but sometimes we just have to accept the fact that they worked better with somebody else, period. Yeah. And a lot of the time, like like you said, I mean, it's almost inbuilt in all of us right now that most relationships don't work out. And that's right. business, that's friendships. That's- and it doesn't, yeah, and it doesn't have to, I was going to say, it doesn't have to be romantic relationships. Yeah. It could be friendships. People outgrow each other. It could, it, I mean, it could be somebody moves. It could be, um, it could be not because you don't love each other. It could be for, you know, a million different reasons. So it's not always ending because it doesn't work out. Sometimes relationships work perfectly, but they end for other reasons. Sometimes friendships, like I said, you grow apart. Um, you know, you graduate college and you think you're going to stay in touch with these people forever. 10 years later, they were all, you know, all your reunions and all of a sudden now you don't talk to them anymore. Nothing happens. It's just, you grow apart. Yeah. And you know, in any one of those examples too, uh, is just, you know, it's just, it's all relationships are hard. Number one, mm-hmm. that's just Correct. and like for someone to be around you personally for a very long time, that's a lot of vetting, a lot of vetting. It <laughs> is. It is. And so um, I, can't, I don't have my glass. Oh, Vanessa. Yeah. So I want to bring up another point. She brings up an excellent point, too, that like I'm saying, like somebody who doesn't work in one relationship, someone who's an asshole in one relationship doesn't mean they're going to be like that in another. Whereas narcissists will repeat the same exact kind of textbook cycle over and over and over again in every single relationship going forward. So um, that's an excellent point. And yes, that is another very kind of key, key variable in differentiating between the two. By the way, it was very quick on the screen and you're definitely not going to hear it, but it was the lights flickered for a second. Did anyone see that? Was there a ghost behind me for a moment? 
there's it's thundering okay. and lightning here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance we go out. Uh, so just <laughs> just realize that. it will happen to yeah. us. I mean, yeah. no question of course. about it. Of, yeah, course, of course, because it's us. We haven't had right. a major blooper in a, in a while. So, right. um, but um, <laughs> yeah. So like, and then obviously it's it is hard to identify. And Anita is a, a great question right off the bat. So like, how do you know if they are a narcissist? And well. These are let's let's just start with the checklist. The number one uh, up top that we always uh, tend to look at, especially in romantic styles, and or at least I don't know. You you tell me if is love bombing um, just in romantic relationships, or is that anything? No, a lot of times it's in non-romantic relationships as well. It may not be called love bombing, but you see it with friendships. You see it in work. You know, making these big lofty promises. Um, you know, at work, it could be, you know, if, if you work here, you know, we're going to give you these promotions, we're going to train you, you're going to take over, you, you know, they, we're going to groom you to be the next CEO, whatever, whatever it is. Oh, it just did again. But, um, <laughs> but so it can happen. It can absolutely happen in friendships. Um, but this standard love bombing that people talk about, uh, it's very difficult for people to notice that it's happening if they either A, don't know about love bombing, right? Or they've never experienced it before. Because to somebody who, let's say, has never gotten that much attention or who is used to their needs not getting met or is used to their opinions not mattering or not being, you know, heard or or anything or even just paid the tiniest bit of attention to, love bombing, they're going to welcome that with open arms. And it is very overwhelming and it's very exciting it's fast. It's furious. It's, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's over it's the top, obviously over yeah. the top. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, you know, if you, and I always joke about this, but I'm serious. If you hear you're my soulmate, you're who I've been looking for, where have you been my whole life? And you're on date number two, right. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, they're taking you to really expensive vacations, buying you gifts, um, texting you all day long, talking to you about future things and naming your children and your pet dog and driving by a house and saying, we're going to live there one day. And, you know, again, it sounds amazing and it's almost too good to be true. Um, it's, it's, it's that kind of behavior. But again, if you're not used to that and you're getting that and you've never gotten that, it's going to be extremely appealing. And what is, uh, speaking of vetting, like how... I mean, enjoy the love bombing for what for just take it for what it's worth. Just take it for a grain of salt. Like, hey, if someone's giving you stuff you like, it's not a it's not necessarily a bad thing overall. Just understand why, I guess, and how long should you go? Like, all right, when's this love bombing going to end? When am I going to know the real you? Is that something that you should try and set as a boundary early? Or so with love bombing, you you don't know it's happening while uh-huh. it's happening like I said unless you're aware of the symptoms or the you know the you know the presentation of narcissistic behavior yeah um you won't know and somebody who is treating you really well in the beginning of a relationship it's not going to be that fast mm-hmm. because you have to remember someone telling you that you're their soulmate or that they've been waiting for you their whole life and you're on date number two three even four what exactly are they saying they've been looking for their whole life? Mm. They don't know you. They don't know you. So if you have a, a kind of solid sense of self, right? So your ability to kind of look at yourself and, and see objectively what's going on, 
you're going to question yourself. What they don't even know my favorite food. Like, what are they even, but somebody who let's say doesn't have that kind of really kind of, I don't want to say self-concept, but a really kind of solid sense of self or somebody who is insecure in certain ways or somebody who is used to not getting their needs met, um, they're going to feel so good about that. Understandably so. Um, but there's really no way for them to know that it's happening if they don't have the awareness of it until it stops. Because here's the thing, it will with 100% certainty stop. And the reason why it's happening, there's a function behind it. It's not just to suck the person in, which, I mean, that is part of it. But the part that people don't necessarily understand is that it's not just to suck you in, but it's it's used as a, almost as a drug, as an addiction, right? We get on that intermittent yeah. reinforcement cycle so or reinforcement schedule. So if all that other stuff starts to happen, the discarding, devaluing, which we'll talk about, the silent treatments, the infidelity, the, you know, the abuse, the physical, emotional, sexual abuse, all of that, um, what they do then is after that's done, because everything's kind of episodic, then the, then they won't fully go back to the love bombing, but they will yep. start to kind of play into that behavior again because your hope in a narcissistic relationship is constantly trying to get back to where that person was in the beginning. The problem is, is that person never existed in the first place. That was a tactic, which is why you know, we're talking about love bombing as a tactic. Yes. Yo, that's a, that's a great, great explanation. And the one thing I, I might amend to that, and you tell me if you disagree, is in this day and age, this is specifically for the millennials and the Gen Zers, they do know. Like what, me? <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just going to mm-hmm. scratch that off my notes because that's yep. an X and that needs to be a Z. <laughs> my bad. My bad. Uh, I, because um, mm-hmm. Dr. Z, Gen Z. So, yes. yeah. Um, right. But they do know what you like. Sorry, boomer. <laughs> Um, they, they know exactly what you like. You want to know why? Because you're putting it on Instagram. You're putting it on Twitter. You're yes. putting it on Snapchat. And it's so yes. much easier to find out yes. what you like and to rope your ass in. And that's that how they do so it. That was so insightful. 100% agree with you. Yes. And, and, and two things. One along those lines is that they are not learning this information about you to give you what you like. They are learning this information about you to use it against you later on. You tell them about, you know, that you feel so comfortable with them because, oh, you like, you like going to the beach? Okay, I like going to that same beach. Um, you like New York? I love New York. Let's go, you know. And the reason why they do this is so that you feel comfortable and vulnerable. So you start sharing deep things with them that you wouldn't normally share with somebody on date number two, three, four, five. And you share these vulnerabilities, they store it away, and then they use it against you later on to kind of dig deeper and kind of, or dig into you essentially to make you, um, you know, kind of lose whatever sense of self you, you had left. Um, so, so there's that. The other thing I want to say quickly about love, blo- love, love bombing. Love bombing. Love bombs. It's love bombing. Love bombing. Um, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's love bombing. It's that hit single from Dr. <laughs> <Yeah>. Z. Love <laughs> bombing. Blah, blah, blah. It's not like they loved you more in the beginning and now they don't. Or they liked you more in the beginning and now they don't. It's not that. They never did. They never Ever. did. It Ever. 
it was the same. It's, it's not like they fell out of love with you because people who fall out of love with each other, they typically break up. They don't continue in year, you know, I shouldn't say that they, they do continue. However, in this particular case, if you are dating someone for a short amount of time, two, three months, and you don't like them anymore, you break up with them. So it wouldn't make sense. So it's not like they fell out of love with you. Yep. It was never there to begin with. It was a strategy. Yep. Yeah. Which, which, listen, I say this very bluntly. When I say it bluntly, please understand that I am aware of, like, it's like, it's, it's like a dagger to the gut because you really thought that this was something that was real, something that was special. And so that's part of the trauma that people experience is this realization even after years of being with this person like wait a minute none none of this was real and it and it's very it's very unnerving uh yes and because like i've seen that type of stuff happen in front of my eyes and say like there's no way this person's coming back oh my god they 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 went back okay all right so I, i i think this is a very important discussion to have and before um i get to the the second tactic uh, Nika had had asked a, a good question, and I actually um, was was totally uh, not sure of this. Is narcissism and uh, a, a borderline personality disorder very close to one another? I think we we had mentioned that on on one of the previous episodes, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. So um, so there's a couple ideas and theories on this, and I actually I just posted something. It may be off my stories now, but it's in my highlights. If it is, I have to post the second part. I broke it out because it was really long. I talk all about borderline personality disorder. So in the old DSM, which is the kind of Bible of psychiatric disorders, borderline personality disorder, um, narcissistic personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder, which is not someone who's shy, it is like sociopathic behavior, were all in what was called cluster B, meaning they all had kind of similar symptoms that overlapped with nuances between them um, that you know, an experienced clinician would be able to differentiate between. One of the things to keep in mind is that people who are sociopathic really only present for therapy if it's court mandated, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Or they have substance abuse problems or something like that. Um, But, but not because of sociopathic tendencies because they don't have remorse. They get enjoyment and pleasure from it. Um, Narcissistic personalities disorder. We've talked about this at length they don't present for treatment unless court mandated for custody, anger management, substance abuse, something like that. Or they, let's say, um, come in with a significant other for marriage therapy, which I say all the time, marriage therapy referrals for somebody who is in a narcissistic abusive relationship is one of the worst things if that therapist does not understand narcissism. It is extremely re-traumatizing and invalidating to the non-narcissistic partner. Um, Those are really the only times a narcissist presents for treatment. So fast forward, the new DSM does not list narcissistic personality disorder as a psychiatric condition. However, there are dimensions of borderline personality disorder and narcissism it's like on a continuum now almost. I'm giving a very abbreviated version of this. So there are symptoms that... uh, Borderline personalities that are people with will present for treatment, and they 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 can be treated with a certain type of treatment, usually a behavior therapy called dialectical behavior therapy. Teach them emotion regulation strategies, um, teach them 
ways to respond in, you know, kind of um, it's opposite action, almost kind of opposite of what their urge is telling them to do. There is definitely more insight and awareness with that. But the, but the symptoms, if you look at them on a continuum, they do overlap, but there are differences. There is some kind of, I don't want to say theory, but people often also think that females are more likely to be diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, whereas males are more likely to be diagnosed with narcissism. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, borderline personality disorder tends to have more mood lability, which just means like moods up and down, mood swings. It's often confused with bipolar disorder when they're very, very different. Um, so yes, short answer, they, they can look very similar. Um, they have a lot of overlapping symptoms and you can, you don't, the, the thing about the DSM now is you don't necessarily have to fit into any one category because it's kind of fluid and it's changing based on circumstances, age, things like that. Okay. Uh, that's, uh, again, a really good. Uh, uh, and now you'll have a test. Yes. And <laughs> that'll be coming at the end of the quiz, which is at 9.01. So I hope <laughs> you brought some pencils. And um, uh, Scantron number two. <laughs> the, uh, there's, a, there's a few tactics we want to try and tackle tonight. Uh, I would say love bombing is a... Um, is is quite a, a, a common one for for that. Uh, one that I want to mean something that I know doesn't mean it. Hoovering, which, which I want to mean, oh, they suck the life out of you, but I know that's not true. So what is the hoovering narcissist tactic? Yes. So hoovering, I mean, they do suck the life out of oh, you, yeah. literally. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, hoovering is when they do something to try to... It's not. Sometimes people have the have the um, have the idea that it's to get you back, which it it is. But it's more than just re love bombing you to kind of suck you back in. It's to get any type of response from you, or what we say is supply, which is another kind of narcissistic term. So mm-hmm. supply is any type of emotional reaction, any type of response at all good, bad, angry, happy, sad, as long as they are responsible for causing it. So hoovering is just any type of behavior that sucks a response from you. Ah, okay. So just that means uh, if they're losing the argument, they're coming after your mom. Or they're coming after your dad, or that's something's right. funny about your nose, that's or right. you that's don't right. fill the that's ice right. enough, or whatever. Or, or they haven't spoken to you in two years. Yeah, because you have to remember, narcissists—they may be out of the relationship with you, but they never consider it done. <laughs> in their mind, in some in some way, you're still theirs. They put you on a shelf. They may not take you off that shelf for five years, but. Let's say they run into you at, I don't know, Target, right? Yeah. Oh, they may the, then the try worst to place to run into a narcissist. By the way, well, I think, tar- or- I think Target overpowers it, though. Uh, you wanted to, <laughs> but then you end up, you know, going to Old Navy and kicking yourself. I'm like, man, that's true. That's that true. Person? That's anyway. true. That's true. Um, so yeah, so so let's say they, they see you right at Target, and so they're like, oh, I haven't seen I haven't seen John in you know five years. They go home, they take you off the shelf. They're like, let me let me let me let me contact him now. It's not because they missed you. It's not because wow, he looked great. Like I want to I want to see if we can rekindle this. They literally do it just to see if they still have access to you. 
That's it. Period. End of story. They do not want you back. They don't love you. They didn't come to their senses. They just want to see if they have access to you, but more importantly, to your emotions. Um, so again, that's hoovering. They want to see that they can get some sort of response from you. Um, and you know, people will think because it's been such a long period of time that it's not that it is that that's exactly what it is. Um, and I think that's a great visualization too, by the way, like if you can imagine that person taking you off the shelf and going, (laughs) and then what did they do? (laughs) And then, you know, put you back and then stare at you. How can I do this? (laughs) And you know, whatever stupid plan that they have for you. Like, I know how I'm going to, Screw this. But here's the other thing. Yeah. They don't just they don't just take you off and put you back. There's no, a step just... in between. Ooh, which they is they take you off. Yeah. And when they're done with you, either you don't, and we'll talk about how to respond to the hoovering, <laughs> but either you don't respond to the hoovering in the way they want or the way they need, or you do, they had access to you and now they're done with you. You're now bad. You're now like they 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 like cut you off again. So it's not even just taking you off and putting you back up. It's also their perception of you. Not only are they putting you back up, but now you don't exist anymore again. Ugh. Ugh. Brutal. Yeah, I know. Brutal. I was laughing because Sandy says, oh my God, that literally did happen to me at a Target. She knows my pain. (laughs) You're sitting there just trying to get a a cheap belt and some nice, you know. Yeah, but you never come out with a cheap belt. You come out with a cheap belt and like. $300 worth of crap. Sheets and pillows and like a card for a grandmother that like you haven't talked to in 10 years. How do they do that every single time? It's. uh, I don't know. It's it's amazing. But. uh, They hoover you. (laughs) Yes, they they hoover. And you did mention uh, supply and kind of define that for us. So what is the. Is there a. What is the opposite apply? <laughs> uh, sure. So, so the 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 what I tell my patient the 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 what I tell my patients is you always want to respond with neutrality. Ah, uh, yes. So, keep in mind, screaming at them, they're never going to get it, care, or understand. You could tell them till you're blue in the face. You could always say, I, I just need I just need to say this one thing to them. I just I just need to tell them how I feel. They don't care. It's not doing a damn thing. Yeah. Except giving them if you look at your responses not as words, but if you look at your responses as like, I don't know, money. You're giving them money. You're not there like that's all it, I'm not, money's just an example, but yeah. like you're giving them an object. You're well, not time. giving them yeah. meaning, time, anything. You're not energy, you're not giving them words. They don't see that. They just see time, money, energy. Right. So life. <laughs> um <laughs> and so you want to be neutral. Ignoring them out of anger is not neutral. Okay. So sometimes people think, well, I'm just gonna ignore them, or I'm gonna slam the door, or, I'm gonna leave, or I'm not gonna. Ignoring them sometimes is exactly what you want to do. But in certain cases, you know, let's say you're co-parenting with somebody who's a narcissist, you can't always just not respond, especially when there's children involved or there's court orders involved. So you want to respond. And I I help patients craft kind of these these text messages back or emails, back. everything in writing, always everything in writing. Is that a writing? It didn't happen. And even if it's in writing, they'll say that's not what, you know, that they didn't say that, whatever. Even if it's right in front of them. you want to respond in a way that will 
neutralize the supply. So if they're saying to you something like, um, you know, giving you crap about something and they want a response from you, if you just say something simple along the lines of like, um, you know, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a situation, but like, um, okay. Yeah. Like if they're trying to get you riled up and you just say, okay, yeah, they're oh, expecting God. you to like flip out or not respond. But if you respond with something neutral, you give them nothing to grab onto. You give them no object to hold onto. It's like, we talked about this, like a, like a wall, like just a slick wall. They just like slide down it. You're not giving them any kind of, you think of a rock climbing wall. You're not giving them anything to hold on to. So don't confuse neutral responses with ignoring because it's not always the same thing. Yeah, it's and, so situation specific. And even okay will test you because I know Correct. people that would be like, just okay, or right. that's all you have to say, or, you know, stuff like that. And just, you know, next neutral mm-hmm. thing, just like, mm-hmm. no disrespect, just understand clearly what you mean. Moving on to the next thing. Yep. If they keep bang, just bang, bang, then, then then we might go to a, a, a real neutral and just turn yourself off. Mute yeah, and, and, and whatever. And what happens too is 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 like let's say, for example, in a co-parenting situation, they ask you a question like, Are you taking the children Friday night? And again, all facts, no emotion. That's all you want. You say, Yes, I am. If they then come at you and say, Well, you know, you did this and then you did this and you this, you don't respond. You already answered the question. The other stuff is irrelevant. You don't respond. But if then three seconds later they say, what time should I drop them off? You respond to that. And if they say, well, that's too early for me, blah, 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 you don't respond. So you can pick and choose what you respond to within like a text stream, right? Or an email. You only respond to the things that you can respond to neutrally that are simple facts, no emotions, nothing, because any emotion you give them is supply, period. Yep, yep. And uh, I will amend and say, I will personally allow one of those for each of you a year because I know it's hard, but try not to because <laughs> it's so hard. It's, it's, it is, it is so, so hard. And like there are, you tell me if you disagree with this too. I, I, I feel as though if you are the type of person that feels like they can't stop reacting, that's probably a little, if not half of it on you as well, because you're avoiding something at that point, you know, and it might not be, you're avoiding the discomfort of sitting with that urge to just like get your point across. Yes. You're not making the narcissist abuse you. You're not making the narcissist mess Absolutely with your head. Not. You're not. But yeah. one of the things, yes, that I work on with my patients routinely, and it is probably one of the most difficult things next to the realization that the relationship wasn't what they thought it was, was the ability to sit with that jumping out of your skin feeling to want to respond to them. Mm. Yep. Yep. And uh, a good question from Laura is, is uh, how are you supposed to respond to somebody that, especially in these type of, of, of 100% bad communication, uh, uh, you know, back and forth here, when they only accuse you of the bad communication? It's always on you that's, that's you know. It, don't respond. Same neutral stuff, right? You don't, you don't respond. It, like, what you, you just, because what even if you argue back with them that you're a good communicator or you tell them they're not saying you're a bad communicator because you're a bad communicator. They're saying you're a bad communicator because they're trying to get a response from you. It's no different than saying you are 
you know, um, a horrible mother or you're unattractive or you're useless. It doesn't, it's, it's not the words, it's the function of them. It's what they're trying to get in any given situation. And what they're trying to get is a response to know that they have access and control over your emotions. Uh, yeah. And it is uh, Laura, it is a sick twisted joke all the time. It feels like it's like you're talking so logical to somebody and it's, you could say oh. it's just two plus five equals fish. Like yes. it's just like crazy. Yeah. And that's another, that's a word salad. That's word another, salad. that's another yes. tactic. Yes. That, that happened. We can talk about Ooh, that. Is that an yes. official, is that an official narcissist tactic word salad? Yes. Yes. And the reason why they do that <laughs> yes, is because if you are in an, in an argument, a debate or whatever on a logical topic and you're speaking in a logical manner, the only avenue they have, they have two things, silent treatment, okay, where they just shut you down completely mm-hmm. and you are non-existent or word salad, which is where they talk in circles and you need to understand, at that point, when you have a partner who's a narcissist, friend, coworker, it doesn't matter, talking in, in these tangential, meaning all over the place, circles that just don't make sense, Yeah, you're already at the point with that person where you're already doubting your reality because that's what narcissists do. They make you doubt your reality. They make you doubt your perception of things. So you kind of depend on them for them to interpret the world around you, mm-hmm. um, which they manipulate obviously to, to kind of keep you there. Um, but by the time you get to that point, you know, you, it becomes very confusing because you're not sure if it makes sense or not, because you don't have a good sense of reality yourself at that point. Yes, but right. the first, the first time you experience word salad, it's kind of, it, again, it's very unnerving because you're like, what? It's such a switch from logical thinking that you're you're so used to this person being like, let's say this happens right after the love bombing phase. So you're so used to this person being this attentive, logical human being. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they switch gears and into this word salad. And it's jarring because how does somebody who's like this just switch to this? And you must be off. Like you must not be perceiving things accurately because it's so off base. And again, that's why it's a tactic. It throws you off base. It confuses you. It makes you doubt yourself. It makes you doubt the perception of the situation that you're arguing about in the first place. You end up apologizing. You don't even know what you're apologizing for. Yes. Oh, God. And that is the worst feeling in the world. I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Like I was, I, mm-hmm. I had a problem with you. Why am I apologizing? Yep. <laughs> it's so yep. weird. Yep. I just had this conversation actually with, with somebody on Instagram. They had sent me a question about this, about um, just generally speaking, people apologizing when they shouldn't be apologizing. And it, it's, it's kind of this pattern that develops in these narcissistic relationships. But also you have to keep in mind, chances are prior to that relationship, you may have had experiences growing up or in in other relationships where you felt like your opinion didn't matter or you felt like nothing you did was good enough or right. And so you were used to always having to apologize or you were the peacekeeper in your family, right? Let's say someone was, you know, was a heavy drinker and there was a lot of abuse going on. And so you, you know, or parents were fighting all the time and you were always the one that had to keep the peace. 
that cycle is going to repeat itself and become very, it's, it's familiar to you. So you may fall into that role a lot faster, let's say, than somebody else. Uh, Kim, Kim's saying, can we gather all the narcissists and dump them in the desert with each other? Uh, Kim, I hate to tell you, that place already exists. It's called Los Angeles. <laughs> like 90%, that's where they end up. The whole map just shakes out, and then all the people from New York, Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, uh, Austin, Texas, Utah, you name it, they just shake it out, and all of a sudden, they all land there. <laughs> That's why they're all in the same industry. So, and just, we just lost the followers from LA. Hello, LA. <laughs> I got nothing but love for you, Barstow. I got nothing love for you, San Diego. Shout out to San Francisco, San, the whole Northwest. But LA can come the can become the Arizona Bay as far as I'm concerned. So, there we go. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it is. It, it's uh, it's pretty incredible how many like different things that can maneuver in and out here and. It's a chess match. And especially that you don't know you're in. No idea. No idea that you are in. Absolutely not. Um, and that's why I think these uh, conversations are important because, you know, like it's we, we the, the more we know, the more we can kind of combat it and, and you know, right. put up those borders and all that other stuff. Um, the one thing the the now I'm really interested primary primary and secondary sources as a tactic primary and secondary oh yes uh, shout out a lot in florida there too but that's because everybody retires there so that's that's unfortunate that's just percentages uh, uh primary primary and secondary sources uh what does that mean in, in terms of uh of, of narcissist tactics there um so primary and secondary sources are 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 ways in which the narcissist and I know people get mad when I say narcissist, but I'm saying narcissist because I don't know how else to say it. What? God. How are you supposed to say I it? get so many. I mean, I get it. I get it. But like. I, yeah, we can't I say get, asshole I, anymore. because No, because they're the not assholes. It, it's, it's different. But like, no, people get very angry at me because I'll say narcissist. But and again, we talked about this. They're wounded humans, but I yeah. can't tell a patient sitting in my office who's been sexually abused for 10 years that they're dealing with a wounded human and that they should understand that wound because they say they do understand that wound. It's they've been catering to it for 20 years trying to fill this wound. So <laughs> narcissist. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah. it's not their fault. They, they had the upbringing that they did, but yeah. at a certain point you take accountability and, that's where it shifts. So anyway, narcissist. Yes. Primary and secondary sources. Um, this is a strategy that narcissists will use to maintain ongoing supply. For example, they have their primary source, which could be their girlfriends, their boyfriends, their wife, their husband, the person that they are with, like, to the outside world. Um, it's a very big reason why narcissists get married because it is a constant supply mm. of fuel. We also say fuel, right? It's a constant, it's a constant fuel supply, supply of fuel, whatever. Um, it looks good. It's socially acceptable. It makes you look more stable and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and I just thought, it, sorry, like yeah. I need to really get out of, this is why, you know, I'm not educated because all I think is in movie quotes. Every single time. I love it. Give, give it. But it, it, it reminds me of like The Departed of, you know, when Alec Baldwin is, is getting in there and he's going, it's just like, you know, it's a good thing if you're married 
people don't, you know, X, Y, and Z, and it goes through that yes. explanation, and it's just for surface level. Yes. Of just Correct. like, oh, if I look married, then everybody, it's an acceptable thing. Exactly. For society. It, yeah. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, great movie, by the way. Fantastic movie. Yes. Fantastic movie. Um, better than the new Top Gun. We'll see. <laughs> hey. Let's not, let's not, let's not rush <laughs> to any judgment there. And so, I'm not defending Tom Cruise. I'm just defending the franchise. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take that argument. Yes. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> um, so secondary would be, secondary could be romantic. It could be somebody that they are having an affair with outside the marriage. It could be, and again, not like, not an affair because the person's unhappy in their marriage or because other reason. It, it, meaning it's, it's an affair because they're trying to get continued additional supply. It's not like they identify, I am unhappy in my marriage, so I'm going to, you know, go elsewhere. Or, oh, I fell in love with somebody else and I'm in this marriage. Like, it's not that. It's acquiring pieces to put on your shelf. You are an object. You are not somebody they fell in love with outside of the marriage. They are not somebody that they just want to have sex with outside of the marriage. They are an object to get constant fuel. So let's say for whatever reason, you're not getting what you want from your primary source. You then go to your secondary source or you're going to both at the same time. Secondary source could also be a friend. It doesn't have to be a romantic partner. It could be someone that you get fuel from, let's say that a friend that caters to all your needs, right? That, that is kind of somebody that you in a way take advantage of to get your needs met, things like that, or a friend with benefits, or, you know, it, it, it could be somebody at work that is, that you're, you know, in charge of, or they're superior and you just, you know, berate them and go after them. And, you know, it's kind of getting it from, from another source, you know, there's tertiary, so it can go on and on and on and on. Um, but it's, it's basically an acquiring of pieces. Yeah. That makes a ton of to sense. To put on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, that kind of, you know, and, and again, they can, like you said, they can take it, take you on, take you off. Um, and you I, also have to understand you don't know the rules to the taking on and off again. So you may think as a primary source that you have it figured out. And then all of a sudden it just, the rules change and you don't even know what you did, why, why they're not talking to you, why they left, why they come back a month later. You have no idea. There's no rhyme or reason. And there's, that's the purpose. And we did have uh, a couple of questions that um, uh, did get into uh, the Instagram post. And we always encourage you to send those in when Dr. Z posts them again, you can follow her at, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Z underscore psychologist. Um, I know you well, usually post those when, like uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, somewhere, somewhere around there in your stories. Yeah. Well, if you're following her and got notifications on, you won't miss uh, one beat. So I highly That's recommend true. that for sure. You know, I just found out about that notifications. What's I didn't that? even know. What's that? I didn't know about notifications. Oh, really? You can turn it on. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Please definitely do that. Especially if like, yeah, you, you need this, uh, the, the spoonful of, of, of good takes that Dr. Z has almost every single day. Um, that's why I have them on as well. Uh, but one of those questions did relate to love bombing. And, you know, is love bombing intentional? And I think we've answered that tonight. Absolutely it is. But the second part of that is how do you get past the trauma that this person was basically using you as a tool for themselves in their life and 
wanted to didn't your your feelings coming to the realization that yes literally everything you thought and did did not matter in that relationship therapy <laughs> but bing bang boom <coughs> it is true therapy with a qualified not qualified that's the wrong word therapy with a a trauma informed therapist and b a therapist who is well versed in narcissistic personalities. I know I'm not allowed to say that either, but I'm saying it. Uh Somebody who is well-versed in narcissistic personalities, because if not, they may not understand the nuances and it's not necessarily, they're not, it's not like that they're bad therapists. It's it's just, it's, you have to really understand it because it could very easily look like when the person comes back and starts love bombing you again, well, it really looks like your significant other is trying. Maybe you should try to give it another shot. It really looks like they're sorry. They're remorseful. And you are already so rattled and so shaken and don't know what's true, what's false, what's up, what's down. You're going to this person for guidance. And so it becomes very confusing. It can be re-traumatizing. So therapy, number one. And people say, how do I know if they especially ask them? Ask them questions. Ask them who they treated. Um, you interview them as much as they interview you, so to speak. You know, like when I have a new patient, um, they're during the evaluation, they're kind of interviewing me as much as I'm deciding if I'm a good fit for them. Um, if I can't help them, I will refer them out. It's the you know that's what you do. So you really want to ask the right questions. Um, and then as far as the the trauma of under of kind of coming to this realization that the relationship wasn't what you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no quick fix to that. There is no like quick recovery from that. You, 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 it's like one of the biggest violations I think that my patients ever describe like other, you know, obviously other than, you know, abuse, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse. It's extremely violating because you feel like this person kind of took your, your life in their hands, mushed it around and like threw it out, which is really kind of what, what they did. And so the, the only thing I can say, you know, obviously without going into therapy is time. Yes. Therapy. And you have to just, when I say just, I don't mean that it's easy. You have to let it hurt. You have to just let it hurt Uh and learn what not to learn what to look for going forward. You have to let it hurt and it's going to hurt. And if it didn't hurt, that means you're still stuck in it. So actually be be thankful in a weird way that it hurts because if if it didn't, you're still kind of sucked into that. Yes. And like I always like to say, there is always a bottom. There's always a bottom. There's always a bottom. And it's not at the bottom of a bottle or a pill bottle or – Whatever, and it's getting like, especially, I just got to say, here in Philadelphia, you hear about everything that keeps continuing to go on, uh, was just a, a part of an, ob- just observing, but hearing a discussion, just teenagers now like just instantly turning to heroin because there is no therapy option at all and stuff Correct. like that. And you're going, holy hell, we're at that point. We're yep. at that point. And that's just, it's hard to understand why it hurts so much and why that physical pain is there. It's so bad. It's so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. Fucking bad. It and, is. And 
you never think it is going to end. Your appetite's going to get lost. Your patterns are going to change. Your sleep is all over the place. You're if you're a cigarette smoker, you're probably going to be yep. smoking three packs. Like, yeah, on and, and listen, on and on. like I, it, it sucks exactly. And and you know, you also have to understand too, trauma changes your your neural pathways. Like trauma changes your nervous system. It changes your your reaction to things from a from a neurological from a nerve based standpoint. So you 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 have to almost like give yourself some like grace or like give yourself some room because your brain has changed because Mm -hmm. of this. And so, you know, you're on this constant fight or flight mode and your body is so hyper aware, hyper alert. You're so triggered that your reactions to things are going to be magnified for a long time. And you need to be in therapy to kind of reverse that, that those nervous system reactions and, and desensitize yourself almost, which is why it's important to be with someone who understands that kind of brain-based aspect of it. It's not just talking because in fact, just talking about it in therapy, all that does is continue to create that fight or flight cycle over and over and over again. The only way that reduces is if you actually engage in strategies to, to, to like re-regulate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dr. Z, but there's always a term that kind of gets thrown out when this healing process happens. And a lot of this, I think, when you're re-asking yourself, what is it do I love about myself, first of all, and what are the things that I do love to do? Because those are probably the two things that we're going to be most confused about in anything here. And when people kind of throw out, oh, John's going through the midlife crisis or like, you know, you're, you're just doing all these things and like, no. You're not. You're trying to find out again who you are. And that mm-hmm. takes a while. And it takes yeah. a couple of shots at maybe it's this different career, this different friendship, this different coffee, a drink, this like you just go try to experience who you are again yeah. and don't let anybody get in your way. And that's another tough part because everyone that doesn't either, I don't know, look at you silly to have that freedom, whatever the stupid reason. Well, they're used to you responding to them, you know, break it down purely for yeah. behavior, behavior 101. They're used to you responding a certain way to them. If you start making changes for yourself to make yourself a better person, people are either going to understand that and shift with you, or they're going to get pissed at you, call you selfish, call you crazy, call you whatever. Because you're making them uncomfortable because you're starting to shift gears for yourself. Yes. And stop judging yourself so much. Yeah. And when you go through, when you go through therapy, after you've been through a breakup with a narcissist, one of the things that you, you, you automatically are going to end up working on. There's, there's no way you wouldn't is to undo certain unhealthy patterns of behavior that you have so that you can regroup, you can rebuild yourself, and you can figure out what you like and what you don't like because your self-confidence, your self-perception has been like wiped clean most likely. And so it takes a while for you to rebuild that and you can kind of rebuild it to whatever you want. I mean, I have patients who will literally say to me, I don't even know like what food I like, because mm-hmm. when I went to dinner, they always ordered for me. I was never allowed to order. What I wanted, I don't uh. even know what clothes I like because I wasn't allowed to wear. Go heels. to target right I now. Go to target. You know, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to like read certain things or watch certain things. So they literally have no idea yeah. who they are. 
I mean, and if you didn't even have that growing up too, then you really don't know who you are. So part of therapy is healing, yes, but part of healing is also putting yourself in uncomfortable situations to figure out if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. do do, do, I, do I do I like this or not? Do I like the color red? Do I not? I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah. The the narc does break your spirits. DMK, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. Um, and I I think like. As always, there's so much to unpack with. Uh, I want to answer that actually really oh, quickly wait, wait. to that they break your spirit. Ah, yes. There's an excellent quote and that reminded me of they don't break your spirit because in order to realize that they have broken your spirit, you need to be objective to it, which means you're out of it. That's number one. Number two is that be mindful when they can't break their spirit, your spirit, which they can't in the end, they try to assassinate your character. Right, So that character assassination is another tactic that they use when they no longer can get to you because mm-hmm. you're giving neutral responses, because you have cut them off completely, you have no contact with them. Then they start to assassinate your character, spreading rumors, starting lies, whatever it is. And they'll keep coming and coming and coming until you react. Like that's, right. that's, and that's, that's the hoovering. It's, so it's a hoover. Yeah. And, and, right. and character assassination is a hoovering strategy. Correct. Those damn hoovering narcissists. Like, you know, uh, I, I, uh, Target. I, <laughs> ruining stuff, <laughs> movies and snacks and flowers still. Want to point that out again? Uh, belts. Yeah, belts. Um, uh, <laughs> um, and, oh, a great question. Will you please save the live video? Uh, I want to take notes. First and foremost, absolutely. Dr. Z does that every single time unless Zuckerberg throws in a curveball for some uh, odd reason. But she's been uh, spectacular about doing that. Um, if you missed any of this and you're watching this live, the people right now are listening to the podcast and you should be, too. Uh, go find it Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It is in my uh, Linktree bio uh, right now, which you can go uh, find at John Barchard on Instagram and on the Twitter.com as well. Uh, Dr. Z underscore psychologist, you know that. Dr. Z, uh, if they do want to follow up with you and continue therapy and maybe even have a session, find out about your workshops, where can they do that? So you can go to my website, Um I'm actually posting one of so right now i have um three workshops up there they are pre-recorded so you can go and download them under the workshop tab um and i'm doing another one what are we in now end of august yes mid mid to end september i'll i'll post about it um it'll be i can't i haven't decided if i'm gonna do it live or if i'm gonna post it and have it be pre-recorded so but regardless i will i will let you know um book is in the works I'm plugging that again. Um, I've been working on that all day. Um, I will let you guys know the release date. It's going to be on anxiety management strategies. It's a workbook, like an interactive workbook that you can use definitely for strategies for dealing with a narcissist as well. Fantastic. Uh, And I want to give a quick shout out to Tina, who has been watching us for a few weeks, who DM'd me, who had her own story to tell and wanted to see if it was even content worthy to have a podcast or a live stream or a Q&A or whatever. And I don't want to give away the subject matter, but I had one phone call with her and it is mind blowing, <laughs> mind blowingly great idea because it is a very. Oh, now I want to know. I will. I will tell you after because I, okay. I she she was inspired by by all this stuff. And if you guys feel like you have a story that you want to tell and aren't sure how to tell it. That's what I do. So me and Dr. Z are good friends, and that's 
why we've always wanted to do this together, but like what you see here, I just want to remind everybody, you are the television, radio, and every medium possible now. We are just there as technology keeps moving forward. We don't have to rely on legacy media, and we don't have to rely on you know, anything but yourself, honestly. And I just like to help people uh, tell their stories, remain independent creators, and, you know, find their audience and all that fun stuff. So we do really, really appreciate it. Tina, thank you for reaching out. My DMs are always open. If you guys want to ask any questions about uh, our show, and uh, until then, uh, let's just pre-order Top Gun and get ready to go in November, I guess, you know, because it's happening. Everybody thinks I'm kidding? I'm bringing everybody. Well, it'll be great. Bye, Dr. Are you going to pay for us? I, I'm going to get a sponsor to pay for us. I might get Tom Cruise himself on the phone and say, I Listen, think we buddy. should interview him. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll get his <laughs> thoughts on therapy. I'm sure that'll be a trip. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, shake that map, everybody. Shake that map, and we will see you, uh, well, definitely here on the podcast and live on Instagram with Dr. Z every Sunday night yes. around 8 p.m. Thanks, Dr. Z. We'll see you Have soon. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.